0: welcome to the 14th episode of Everything Under the Sun, a weekly podcast answering all the most pressing questions children around the world have about life on earth. My name is Molly and today I have three questions. The first is from Evie.
1: Here she is. Hi, I'm Evie and I'm six years old and I live in Melbourne, Australia and I was wondering why are some animals cold-blooded and some animals warm-blooded?
0: Thanks Evie for your great question. Well, to help answer it, I asked Katie Thomas. She's a biologist at the Natural History Museum in London. I wanted her to help me out because she knows a lot about this topic. Over to Katie.
2: Hi Evie, thanks for your great question. My name is Katie Thomas, and I'm a biologist at the Natural History Museum in London. Right now, I am studying how frogs see the world, and frogs are a great example of a cold-blooded animal. This means that they cannot make their own body heat, so they will be the same temperature as the environment around them. Frogs, snakes, insects, fish, earthworms, and spiders are all examples of cold-blooded animals. If you put a thermometer in a frog's mouth, it would show that the frog becomes warmer when the sun is out and cooler when it's cloudy and raining. When you are whatever temperature your environment is, you can end up having a really cold body, and animals can adapt to this. For example, some fish that live in the Antarctic Ocean have antifreeze proteins in their blood to keep it from turning to solid ice. Warm-blooded animals are different because they can make their own body heat and this keeps them at the same temperature no matter what is happening around them. Mammals and birds are warm-blooded, so you, your dog, a giraffe, a whale, and an eagle can all produce heat to maintain a body temperature. They also often have ways to insulate themselves from cold to help keep their heat in, like fur on your cat, fat on a seal, or feathers on a chicken. Warm-blooded animals tend to have ways of regulating heat quickly in their bodies. When you are cold and you shiver, your body is moving your muscles really fast to make more heat and warm you up. When you get sweaty in hot weather, your body is using evaporation of water off your skin to cool you off. That's why when your doctor puts a thermometer in your mouth, It always reads about 37 degrees Celsius, unless you're very sick and you have a fever. Being warm-blooded sounds really great, and it works well for us, so why don't all animals do this? This is partly because heating your body takes a lot of energy, so warm-blooded animals have to eat more food than cold-blooded animals. Food isn't always easy to come by in nature, and cold-blooded animals can eat less food and eat it less often. And they can just choose an environment that is already at the temperature that they like. For example, lizards and snakes can often be found basking in sunny places and on warm rocks to stay nice and toasty. One of my favorite things about nature is that things almost never fit into perfect categories, and there are animals doing strange things that break the rules. For example, most fish are entirely cold-blooded, but some large marine fish can warm up certain parts of their body for short periods of time. Swordfish and marlins can warm up their eyes and brains while they hunt so that they can see their prey better tunas and some sharks can warm up their swimming muscles to make them faster when they need to be, like turning on super jet power to catch extra fast food. A huge colorful fish called the opa actually keeps its whole body about five degrees warmer than the surrounding ocean water, making it the only truly warm-blooded fish ever discovered. Thanks for listening, and I hope that answers your question, Evie.
0: Thanks so much, Katie, that's so interesting. I love finding out about warm and cold-blooded animals, especially about the fish that can warm up their bodies to help them do things like hunt and swim quickly. And the opah fish, which you spell O-P-A-H, opah fish who can stay warmer than the ocean. How clever is that? I looked up opah fish and I saw how big they are. They're about the size of a car tire, which is pretty big for a fish. Being warm-blooded means they can swim faster and react more quickly than other fish that swim around them. And opah fish can swim really long distances and even hunt squid. I hope that answers your question, Evie. Last week I asked you to send in your best impressions of buzzing bees to win a copy of my new book, Natural Wonders of the World. A grand adventure around the world seeing the most beautiful and interesting places in nature, from the most electric place on earth to the Great Barrier Reef. Here are my favourite bees.
1: My name is Tommy. I'm five and a half. And I like Italy, and this is my, um, be impressed. buzz, buzz, I'm Henry, I'm four years old, I like sausages. This is my big and wide, where will be? Hello Molly, this is my... Buzzing Bee Impression
0: Noise. <temper elaborate> the winner of a copy of Natural Wonders of the World is... Henry. Congratulations, Henry, and I hope you love the book. Do show it to all your friends. My next question comes from Aria and Arthur. They have very similar questions about Queen Bees.
1: My name is Arthur. I live in London. I'm five years old and is the queen bee bigger than the other bees? Hello, my name is Aria and I am six years old and I'm from Kent and I like Harry Potter and bees. My question is, why is there a queen bee? Thanks,
0: Aria and Arthur, for your great questions.
1: Well, the simple answer
0: to Arthur's question is yes. Queen bees are bigger than the other worker bees. They also live longer than the other bees. But to answer Aria's question too, why are there queen bees? Well, they don't sit on a throne and they don't wear a crown or go around shaking hands like human queens do. So what do queen bees do? Well, they're the only bee in the whole hive that lays eggs. Queen bees can lay up to 1,500 eggs a day on a good day. When a queen bee can no longer lay eggs, the worker bees just make a new queen. How do they do that? Well, a new queen bee starts off just like any other bee as an egg. But what turns her into a queen is the food she eats. Queen bees are fed only royal jelly, which is also called bee milk. It looks like white snot and it comes out of the heads of worker bees. Royal jelly is made up of water with special proteins and sugars in it and it helps a young bee to grow into a queen bee. Royal jelly is the only food a queen bee will ever eat whereas other bees also eat pollen and honey so it's the lack of pollen and honey and a diet of only royal jelly that turns her into a queen bee. There's only ever one queen bee in a hive Sometimes when worker bees are making a new queen bee, they'll make a few just to be on the safe side. But these queens, when they hatch, will fight to the death until there is only one left in the hive. You might know that when a bee stings you, it will die soon afterwards. That isn't the case with a queen bee. She can use her sting several times, but she only uses her sting to fight other queens. Sometimes worker bees put their queen on a diet. In spring, often a hive splits in two and half of the hives swarm and find a new place to live. The half left behind make a new queen feeding the egg royal jelly. The half that swarm take their queen with them. It takes lots of planning to swarm because the queen needs to fly a long way when usually she doesn't leave the hive. She's not very good at flying because of her size and weight, so to make sure she's going to be able to make the journey, worker bees feed their queen less food so that she loses weight. Usually she's around a third smaller when the hive swarms and finds a new home. I hope that answers your question, Aria and Arthur two other quick things about bees. One, there are 20,000 species of them in the world and only six of those produce honey. And secondly, did you know elephants are scared of the sound of buzzing bees? Which brings us on to our next question from Arthur's sister,
1: Ithaca. Hi, Ithaca. Hi, I'm Ithaca. I'm three years old and I live in London. My question is, why do elephants stomp their feet and walk and stomp?
0: Great question, Ithaca. Well, when elephants stomp their feet, they're usually warning others of danger. Maybe there's a fire or there's a lion trying to attack them. It could be anything. But they stomp their feet when they're worried and they want to protect other elephants around them. Now, did you know that elephants are really clever because they can talk and listen through their feet? When elephants stomp, they're making messages that other elephants and herds far away, around six kilometres, can hear by listening also with their feet. When one elephant stomps, it makes little shakes inside the ground which travel along inside the earth, and other elephants can feel this with their feet and can understand what elephants far away are saying to them. Imagine if you could do that! Say you wanted to send a message to your friend who lived miles away and you could just stomp your feet and she would be able to hear your message with her feet. That's what elephants are able to do. How clever and special is that? Elephants also make noises with their mouth and hear with their ears like humans. Some are noises we humans can hear, but others are very deep noises that humans can't hear. And these special noises can also travel through the ground. They go down from the mouth of the elephant to their feet through the ground and then a pass through the ground into the feet of other elephants far away, just like when elephants stomp. So elephants are really clever because they can talk in not just one, but in two different ways, using only their feet, talking through their mouth and stomping when they walk. Of course, elephants also use their enormous trunk, which is actually their nose, to talk and make a loud noise we call a trumpet. I hope that answers your question, Ithaca. That's our three questions. Thanks so much to Evie, Arthur, Aria and Ithaca for this week's questions about warm and cold blood, buzzing queen bees and stomping elephants A big thank you to Ash Gardner at House of Strange for the theme song and Audio Networks for all the lovely incidental music we used this week Of course, if you have a question you would like answered do send that to molly at everythingunderthesun.co.uk I'll be back next week to answer more questions from children around the world in another episode of Everything Under the Sun Thank you and goodbye! (laughs)